time for the SBL shoot around, and we got the women's competition covered with Giants all-time great and two-time coach of the year, Randy McGill, joining Chris Pike for all the latest news, analysis, and interviews. Let's go on another SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to another week of Women's SBL Shootaround. We're getting ever so closer to some basketball action on the court, Randy. Only three weeks now and we'll see some West Coast Classic action and we've actually got the fixtures now announced as well so we can go through the round one fixtures before this show's shows out. So I guess once you can see the actual games on paper, it starts to become a bit more real so that's pretty exciting. And this is our sixth episode and we, we think we're building some nice momentum here as well and we've taken things up. Not that last week wasn't a high level thanks to Craig Mansfield but we've gone to one of the all-time great sporting families in Western Australia this week and one of WA's greatest basketball products as well. Mel Marsh is going to be joining us on the show so really excited to speak to speak to Mel and she's got a hell of a journey to speak about so we'll go through all of that with her. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host here on SBL Shootaround but the man that you've tuned in to listen to, Randy Meagle. Thanks for joining me once again. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. And um, yeah, what a beautiful day it's been today outside in uh, Perth. Beautiful wintry day. <laughs> Unfortunately, couldn't get out there too much. I was stuck in the warehouse working away. But uh, yeah, it's uh, getting closer to the, the classic. Yeah, there's been a little bit happening in basketball again this week. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Not a cloud in the sky. So unlike the last couple of weeks when we've been battling the weather, when we've been coming to our studios here, we had a much better day this week to prepare for. Now, of course, we're here thanks to Bassett Scarf Realty, Randy we wouldn't be able to do this show without their support so whether or not you're living down in Mandurah you're looking at purchasing a property or renting a property down that way or thinking about a bit of a sea change why is Bassett Scarf Realty the one that you should go to? Oh, they're the best in the business experience you know been doing it since 1954 so that's where you need to go. Absolutely so check them out bassettscarfrealty.com.au and they'll look after all of your needs just like they're looking after us here at SBL Shootaround. Now before we dive into this week's show a bit more Randy There was a lot to digest from last week's show with Craig Mansfield. As I touched on, and I know he was uncomfortable with me saying it, but he's built a legacy over 20 years as a a coach now in basketball in WA, which deserves great respect. So it was great to sit down with him for the amount of time that we did and to pick his brains and to have him pick fun at our predictions for what we thought the SBL season would have been like and for him to make fun of our pronunciations and for him to, to have a lot of fun at our expense. But hopefully people got a lot out of the, the chat as well. Did, did you learn anything new about him that you didn't know before? Yeah, I did actually. Um, I knew Craig's college stint and beyond. I sort of knew mm. what he'd done there, but I was unaware of the Swan City Mustangs mm. coaching stint and also the Lakeside Lightning you know, inaugural yeah. coaching stint. So, I mean, he just speaks so well, you know, and he's he's got his knowledge from grassroots level, you know, all the way through to SPL and, you know, he's also knowledgeable on the WSPL with players and, and stuff like that and admin roles. So, he, you know, he's done everything and yeah, it was good to see his reaction and a bit of banter about yeah. where we placed his, his Lakeside Lightning yeah. and Calamanda Suns teams. Now, I know he's got a, a pretty high, I guess, role, I guess, at Main Roads there, so it's difficult for him to work in basketball full-time and give up that. But do you think it would be a shame if he didn't coach WNBL as a head coach one day? 
Uh, must be a tough decision for him, you know, regarding his his work. I'm not sure. I mean, he now's the time, I guess. Yeah. But um, you know, you don't want to be too long out of the coaching caper, particularly if you're going to, you know, move into that role. Mm. So hopefully, he's not lost to yeah. WA basketball as as you know as a coach. But yeah, tough decision for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was it was great to have him in, and we'll be sure to have him back in once again. And, and at some stage during the West Coast Classic, we'll have him back in our studios here with us. Now this week, we we'll speak to Mel Marsh after this this first break and as much as everything that her dad has done and her brothers have done playing cricket for for WA and for Australia she she had a hell of a great basketball career herself both for the Perth Lynx and the West Coast Waves and then winning four championships in her 267 games in the SBL for the Willington Tigers when you found out we, we were going to be speaking to Mel this week what popped in, into your mind? Oh, I was really keen just to see what, what, you know, how she went about everything and have a look at what she'd done and, you know, heard talk about the Willerton upbringing and their culture there at, at Willerton. And then, you know, I sort of only caught the last bit of Mel's career when I first started coaching. Yeah. So I probably didn't get to see the best of her. But, you know, walking into that Willerton Stadium, there was flags there everywhere mm-hmm. and, you know, photos of when they think they won a three-peat there yeah, at one did, stage. Yeah, yeah. So her legacy there is fantastic. Mm. Yeah, so really looking forward to chatting to her after this first break. But we've got a little bit more to discuss before we get to that. And we've been updating people on some WNBL news over the last few weeks since free agency opened, especially what's happening at the Perth Lynx. And it's been another big week. And two girls that we've spoken a lot about on this show already, Alex Chibatoni and Maddie Allen, both who played in that Rockingham Flames championship in the SBL last season, both confirmed to be going back to the Perth Lynx under Ryan Petrick this season, which is more great news for not only them, but but for the SBL to show that we, we continue to be producing players that deserve to be playing at the next level. Yeah, great signing. You know, uh, Chibiento is good size athlete. You know, she's got a great all-round game. You can probably play her in a couple of different positions. Strong rebounder for a size. And uh, Maddie Allen, you know, we've seen her last year, what she done. You know, so just the five girls that uh, we've spoken about are, you know, it's a strong, strong team. Yeah. The fact that three of them played in a championship together last season, obviously that front court at Rockingham with Maddie, Maddie Allen and Darcy Garbin was was massive in the eventual grand final win. And, and, and Chibber as the point guard was fantastic as well how much does that help when you're now trying to put together your team at the next level knowing that you've got that chemistry already there because these three girls only 12 months ago we're playing together oh that has to help heaps i think uh, craig touched on it last week with the culture that um you know ryan's going to set right from the word go you know he's been around those girls for a long time so yeah i think uh, it's it's fantastic you add in sammy wickham and ryan petrick as well and there's a hell of a rockingham flavor now to the the perth links yeah, well, Sammy gives them that explosiveness and, and you know, makes them just going to make them so much, when I say so much better, I'm sort of talking about the three girls, I suppose, from mm. the championship. You know, you add Sammy in there and, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be pretty explosive. I, I love the backcourt now. You've got you got Chibber who is probably going to do a lot of the ball handling, but she can play one, the one or the two spot. Mm. Wickham can do the same. She can handle the ball well enough too. And, and Katie Ebsery can play the one or the two spot as well. And you've got your two bigs and, and Maddie Allen and Darcy Garber. Now that they won't have imports who are even a bit bigger to battle up against, they're well and truly good enough to be among the two best bigs in the competition. And I guess now we just wait and I think we both hope that Nashaya Williams is probably the one that fills that three spot. It's looking like a pretty good team. Very athletic side, you know, yeah. when you look at that, those all those girls can get up and down the floor, you know, and that's obviously the way that Ryan wants to play. Mm. He wants to play be mobile and uh, and uh, quick and probably be able to change change a few things up. So, yeah, yeah with Nasir in there, if, you know, athleticism's are mm. what jumps out at, out, yeah. out at me. Yeah, For sure. Another thing we spoke about last week with Craig was that Ali Schwagmeyer was probably, probably going to have to move elsewhere to get 
the opportunities that she wanted at WNBL level and she's now signed at the Sydney Uni Flames to play alongside Lauren Mansfield and in turn, that probably means that there's no room for Ali Wilson in that backcourt at Sydney either. But good news for Ali that she's got a chance, another chance in the WNBL and to go somewhere where she's probably going to be a starter and, and have a big role on, role on that team. Yeah, well, she's a professional basketball player, you know, and that's this is what she wants to do. She wants to stamp her name on the on 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 that on the WNBL, and you know, Perth's been home for her for you know, a number of years. So the move to Sydney, you know, it could be a challenge, but uh, I'm sure that that's what she's what she's after. I think she's someone that we need to speak to on this show as well. So stay tuned for the coming weeks, and we'll track her down. And I'm sure she'll be happy to to chat chat to us, Randy. And, and I'm sure we won't bring up that grand final too too many times because I I did promise. Now I wanted to before we get to Mel Marsh, I wanted to because we're seeing so many of these SBL players now get a chance at the WNBL. I wanted to run through some other players that we've got playing locally. That I wanted to see if you think that they've got the potential to either. Grab a chance in the WNBL for a full roster spot or run through some of the younger players and see if you think they should be given a chance in the program to develop and, and then hopefully down the track turn into, you know, full WNBL players. How about I run through my list and then you just give a general description? Maybe that's easier than putting a, for a yes or no on yeah, in individual players. I mean, so. it, depends, it depends on on the dyna- dynamic and what fit, you know, sure. the links are looking for, whether they, you know, want a, a body player, a defensive stopper, someone that can put yeah. pressure on a ball carrier. It's 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 a hard one. Asking for a yes or no might be putting a bit too much of a target on your head. Yeah, so, I reckon. So let's take a different approach. So I'll run through the list. Michaela Perini, Kayla Steindl, Isabel Miotti, who has been a development player previously at, at the Perth Lynx, Amber Land, who's someone who, as a workhorse, why not give her a chance? Jewel Williams is another one who has had a crack at the Perth Lynx and I think has enormous potential. Jenny Rintala had a brief run at the Adelaide Lightning last year and now that she can play as a local, maybe similar to Amber Land as a, if you needed that workhorse type big. Elise Ironmonger, very similar. Ash Grant has spent plenty of time in the league already. Carly Bogue has had stints in the league before and, and clearly based on our predictions last week, we both think she's she's one of the best players lo- to play in the SBL. So I think we both feel like she should be playing WNBL. Nat Burden as well. Um, she's a local. Maddie Allen was on my list, but since I've made this list, she's now been confirmed as a signing at the at the Perth Lynx. I think Taya Burrows, as we spoke about last week. Stacey Barr's a fascinating one because she's a reigning MVP. You picked her for MVP again this yep. season. I had her <clears> in my <throat> All-Star 5, so we both think highly of her. Sam Roscoe, another talented big. Her teammate at at Sterling, Taylor Hepburn. BJ Moyes, who if you needed an experienced point guard to come in and play five or ten minutes, if you needed to give someone a breather, then you know she, she can she, she has what it takes. And I guess Nashaya Williams, I think it's a matter of time before she does put pen to paper. You don't need to get specific, but what do you think what what does it take to, I guess, make the jump from a really good SBL player to getting that chance at the the next level? I think you need to be athletic and you've got to have, you know, you've, you've got to have that body. You know, you see it in the AFL with, with guys that are developing, you know, the, the younger guys take, you know, a good two, three, four years for their body to develop, you know, get stronger to play at the next level, you know, and I think that the majority of these girls that you've named are probably at that level where they're, they're at the right age. Um, physically, they're, they're at the right right age and athletic, they're, they're, they're at the right age. So it just comes down to a fit. I mean, you know, Prinny can obviously run the point. 
I mean, Steindl has played in the league and done very, very well. Yep. Probably would suit the way that Ryan's going to play if okay. he if he plays the same way as you know he played down at Rockingham. Isabel Miotti, you know, athletic, you know, in in a sort of twenty three yep. sort of in the right age bracket. I mean, Amber Lang play a role, you know, um, as a body type player. Uh, Jill Williams, you know, that she was in the in the squad last year, got time, you know. So obviously there's something there. She can shoot the three ball, handle the ball. She penetrates well. Jenny Rintalia got the size, can shoot the three, tall, you know, defend the big. Same as Elise, it's probably very similar to an Amber Land play a role. Ash Grant, absolutely, really quick up and down the floor, good defender. I think her defense is um, outstanding. I think she got named in the defensive team mm. of the year. I'm, I'm not sure whether it was last year, but you know. As much as you've got a lot of weapons there, you got to play, play some <laughs> D, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ash, Ash has played at this level before, so in a different environment, in a home state, I think uh, she'd be a great choice. Uh, Carly, a big fan of Carly, you know, she's won a championship at uh, Sydney, and you know she can put the ball on the floor, she can shoot the three, she can defend. She was off that championship when she first came to play for you, wasn't she? She was, yeah. yeah, and she was she was playing really good. Nat Burton, obviously an Olympian player, you know, whether she's still got the fire in the ability to play at this level I don't know but um, uh, Maddie Allen well she's there we've yep. spoke about yep. her yep. Stacey Barr well, she's the most fascinating one out of that for me but there's probably not a room for her at the links because you got Wickham and Ebsery but you know, someone that can score so prolifically. Is there is there room for her somewhere? Yeah I think so I reckon that uh, she'd be the X factor off the bench yeah you know, things aren't working out, you know, so you need to try something a little bit different. Mm. You know, Stacey would be the girl that you'd, you'd put in there. Mm. You know, she's strong, strong-bodied. Yeah. She can take it at the basket, good three-point shooter. So, um, you know, it'd be really good to see her in the mm. league. But uh, Sam Roscoe, well, absolutely. You know, Sam's in that age group, mm. solid. Um, she gets up and down the floor, you know, pretty similar to Hepburn, I suppose, in, in size. Uh, both girls shoot the shoot the rock well. Uh, BJ Moyes, well, she's a... She's a lot older, but maybe... Maybe there is room still for that experienced veteran. Yeah, she's a tiger, you know, like defensively she's in your face from all the way up the floor, you know, so she could be a nuisance factor and, and just pressure the ball carrier for, you know, certain periods of yeah. the game and, and wear someone down. And the Say Williams, well, we've spoken about her before. Yeah. Now, the next generation of players. So these are type, the type of players I'd be looking at as potential development players. The ones that have caught my eye, I guess, in the last year or two in the SBL, Ruby Bennett, the Coburn Cougars. It's been tough to stand out at East Perth just because of how tough they've been doing the last couple of years. But Cameron Flynn has been one that's always stood out to me as somebody put in a better situation. She has a lot of natural ability. Rose Ariang has got enormous physical, physical gifts and you might be able to give an update. We might have lost her to a different sport. Georgia Dennehy has had a crack already as a development player. I wonder if she'll get another chance. Jay Flynn is someone that's always always shown good signs for me at Lakeside. Bella Green in the Perry Lakes Hawks, who I think has shown some really exciting signs under the coaching of Docky. Jessie Cooper, she's never had a great chance for many minutes at Rockingham, but she's made the move Hoburn this season. I think she has an, an enormous potential as a, as a pure scorer. Beige Harris is someone who has made the move from the Slammers, and I think as a as a three or a four who can rebound strongly, could do some some good things. Adele East, another promising young Slammer, is is a Javine Fitch who got the famous surname, and you never know what where that can can take you if she can show show a little bit with the Slammers. Georgina Harding up at up at the Senators, somebody who I think she's still only sixteen or so seventeen, but I know. Dion D'Agostino is very high on her talent and she's someone who maybe it's better to get her into the system sooner or later. 
Imogen Aliff from the Willows and Tigers. I think she might be over at college, but I think sooner or later we'll be seeing her become become a star. And Sophie Maines, another one under Simon Parker at Willerton, who has huge potential. Anyone jump out at you there who you think you know, you know could really become a star moving forward and potentially make that make that jump? Oh, you know, obviously not coaching last year. I sort of missed a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah. I did see, you know, a number of games and Ruby Ben really impressed me just with the improvement from when I was coaching in yeah. that one year. She jumps off the page. Uh, Rosa Rang is playing netball. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, she's playing for the East Fremantle Sharks. Mm-hmm. She's the sister of Sunday Rang, who's, yeah. who's a very good netball player. But Rose, I thought, always fought a good battle for East Perth, you know, and she was, she was on the boards and and she could definitely be a development player if, if she wanted to come back to basketball, which I don't know whether which path she's going down. Um, the other girls I'm not too much over, to be quite honest. I, Bage Harris, I've seen her, Jesney Cooper. It probably depends a lot on the individual's time frame and availability to sort of meet training times and dates. I know with some of the girls in my squads over the years, you know, they've sort of thought about doing it and would like to do it, but just couldn't commit with the times, you know, the training times and with uni and travel, etc. And I would say it'd be pretty similar with a, you know, a group of girls like this. Um, the other thing is too, with the links, you know, I don't know what sort of players are coming back from college. Just a couple um, that I'm thinking of off my head, like uh, Mia Sadie, I don't know whether she has mm. another year or or two, yeah. um, Amy Atwell. Well, Mia turned herself into a star by the time she'd left at Prairie Lakes. She was a massive part of that team when she left. I don't know if it was 18 months ago, two years ago now, but by the time she left, she was a hell of a player. Yeah, she was, yeah. And she was going in the right direction. Yeah. So, you know, she's kind of come back a probably even better player, yeah. but I just don't know how long she's over there for. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure Ryan's aware of the whole lot of the girls that are, are in college. So there could be one or two of those that uh, come in this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just think that was a good discussion to have about the talent that we've got around the league because we're seeing a lot of them getting rewarded now. So, you know, I'm sure we'll see some of these names pop up as well and and if you don't let's let's not make any mistake about it playing playing in in the SBL is still a terrific standard and looking ahead to next year playing as part of the NBA one competition it's it's no shame if you don't make the jump to the next level you can make a great career out of yourself at at SBL or NBA NBA one level too yeah, well, you know, all the names you've, we've got in front of us that, that you've written down are outstanding, you know, and we've probably forgot another, yeah. you know, dozen sure. girls, you know, in both the, the, the front group there and the development players. So, yeah, no, it's a strong, strong competition for sure. It is. Now, one player who knew all about success in the SBL was Mel Marsh, and let's move on on SBL Shoot Around now and, and have a chat to her. Okay, back here on SBL Shoot Around, and we've had some treats so far on this show, Randy. But this one might just just top top the lot. I think we're we're very blessed to be joined by by one of WA basketball's all time great players, Mel Marsh, who is still the game's record holder at the Perth Lynx, the West Coast Waves. She's a four-time championship winner at the Willerton Tigers. So between those two, she's played over 500, 500 top level senior games. So she's had quite the basketball career to to talk about. And still, I'm sure the first thing that people mention when they see her is her dad and her brothers, but let's try to limit the the focus on them here, Randy. Mel, how do I find you this evening? Hello, guys. That was quite an introduction. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now... As we talked about before we just started recording, you've been out of basketball a little while. You've, you stepped away after that, that last season you had at Willerton and had a couple of kids since then, and you might not have kept that close of an eye on, on basketball. But when you do reflect on the fact that everything I just mentioned, the 500-plus games, you know, 266 at WNBL level, 267 in the SBL and the, the championships and everything that you, that you achieved, are you pretty proud when you, you get, a, get a chance to look back and reflect? 
Yeah, I guess like it's it's sort of not something that you tend to do yourself. But um, I think every now and then when I'm, you know, back involved in basketball or I'm going down to Willerton or the link when I can, um, you sort of just, I get reminded, I guess, of just what I've done. And yeah, I think, my gosh, how on earth did I play for that long? <laughs> um, the longevity in the game, you know, the like what you put your body under. So yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly proud of what I've, you know, achieved. And I guess just like I said before, just that longevity that I was able to play the game for. Yeah, Mel, Randy here. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. That's good. You would add so many great uh, memories in your basketball career. Do you, do you have a few few of your favourites? What would they be? Um, oh, I reckon like definitely winning the championship with Willerton were one of the greatest things that I ever did just because I think when you start out, like obviously starting at Willerton, you just I have such a passion for the club and it just sort of shaped who I am not only as a basketballer but as a person and I think the friendships you make the you know what gain from all different types of coaches different types of players um, your volunteers your supporters just you know all the things that are like you know where I started I think for me would be the championships at Willerton and I think probably my time in terms of playing for WA, um, you know, being captain was obviously a really proud moment. I played finals basketball um, with Adelaide for a season, getting to the semi-final, playing against Lauren Jackson. Those sorts of things are pretty memorable as well, but it's hard to beat what you build at club level. And like I said before, just, you know, where you start, where your passion for the game comes from, what you learn about the game on and off is just so valuable. I, I sort of can't go back or can't beat the wins at Willerton and the you know a couple of games that just stand out over the time like obviously um, when I was younger it would have been that rivalry between Willerton and Coburn, Flem McIntyre, uh, Showtime Nick you know all those memorable yep. just not necessarily games but seasons that you can remember and then you know starting off as a junior I played obviously with um, Sue Williams, Megan Clark, Danny Ramsey just some amazing players um, and then obviously as I got older it was the Zoe Harpers, the Kate Malpass just and I think you know people that I'm still friends with now so yeah it's hard to pinpoint sort of one direct moment but Willerton definitely hard to beat that. You started you started playing at Wilton in 2000 in the SBL and you also played your first WNBL season 2000-2001. I haven't done the maths, but were you only 15 or 16? How old were you when you, when I, you started? I can't remember. I think I was like 16. Yeah. or no, I think I'm going to be, yeah, 16 when I had my first game. But mm. it was that season where... I'll never forget Jenny Bedford was studying at time and she had an exam and so that was literally my call up mm. and um, <laughs> yeah so I was like thank you for taking that exam but yeah travel council for that game and I literally could run you through everything I just remember it so vividly it was amazing. Now when you look at it and you're still the game's record holder for whether it's the Perth Lynx or the West Coast Waves whatever you want to call it I know you yep. didn't play finals in that in all of those years which is another matter but the fact that you're the all-time game's record holder I still I still think you're well clear in terms of having scored the most points by anybody and you're obviously a, a WA WA born and bred person and so is your family how proud are you of, of that of those things? Yeah, look, it's it's, real, it's not what you set out to do. You mm. don't set out for individual accolades. And, you know, I would have, I mean, to, I would have happily taken the championship or just any finals games. But I think when you retire and then you reflect years later, it is, I guess it's nice in terms of, you know, the, the effort that I put in and the time that I spent just to have those things. I think maybe Darcy Garvin might be probably ready to top me in terms of the, 
games played by a WA player. Um, obviously, her coming home this year, yeah, and yeah. hopefully, she's set here now. She's been playing for a, you know since she was about um, my age. So yeah, I reckon she's probably the closest one to mm. to around there. But yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm just really proud of what I what I've done over the over that time. And yeah, definitely, you know, I look back with fond memories for sure. Mel, what used to drive you to form every time you walked on the court? Was there anything that uh, stood out? Um, I think I just had this sort of hunger to want to be the best that I could be. And I always lived by, um, you know, one of the things that Dad always said to me, obviously Sean and Mitch have played for Australia, Dad played for Australia, and I just I just wasn't at that next level. And it was really hard, you know, I would have seasons where, you know, I just, I mean, deep down, I think I was really sick of where I was as a player. So I knew that, I could be an, an amazing player for WA and I knew that playing for Australia was going to be hard but I always said to myself, look, if I walk away after playing for 15 years knowing that I've given everything I've got and I didn't play for Australia, I'm okay with that. But if I spend years just, you know, not giving everything and then, you know, I'll always regret or have moments where I think, geez, if I just worked harder those first, those, you know, couple of years or if I just worked harder in the middle, um, you know, would it have changed? So I guess for me it was knowing that, you know, I just needed to work as hard as I possibly could, um, you know, be the best version of me that I could be on and off the court, you know, not just as a player, but as a person, you know, what you do for the club. And if it, if it meant playing for Australia, so be it. But if it, it didn't, and in my case, it didn't, it was just knowing that I gave it absolutely everything. And I, again, like I look back now and I go, I didn't play for Australia, but wow, I had a great career. And, you know, what I was able to do for WA just makes me immensely proud within myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think you deserve to be considered one of the state's great basketball players for what you did at WNBL level, but also at Willerton. Um, it's a remarkable club where a, a couple of other clubs might lay claim to this as well, but to me, they're the dominant women's program in, in the state and, and probably one of the greatest you know clubs nation, nationwide. And you have a look at the success you were you were part of, and you and you grew up obviously. You know, right coming through Willerton, and you started playing when you were a teenager there, and 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 that's where you played your, your very last game in that in that 2015 final. Um, how big a yeah. bigger how big a part of your life is is Willerton? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I started at um, you know Willerton Primary School, mm. and then went to Willerton High School. In between, Mum and Dad tried to put me into Penrose College six months, where I literally cried every day for <laughs> six months. I'm not joking. Yeah. <laughs> Until eventually, Mum said to my Dad, "You need to take her because I can't handle this every more anymore." <laughs> and for me, all I wanted to do was go to Willerton Basketball Scholarship. Yep. So being in Willerton from primary school, high school, basketball scholarship, and then being involved in a club where winning is a culture. Mm. And it, it's really, when you're involved in a club like that and you are surrounded by success from the start, I guess it is it becomes second nature. And so you develop this, I guess, hunger for winning. And when you don't win, there's you, you don't panic because you've been around winning. You know how to win. Mm. And it was always something, you know, that I always looked at between Williton and, and WA was that with Williton, we knew how to win. Um, and I look at my time with, you know, playing basketball with the Lynx was, you know, we weren't overly successful. So we never developed that winning culture, which meant in, in games or in moments when we, you know, were capable of winning, we weren't able to because in my eyes, it just hadn't been that winning culture. And I look back at Williton is that we had that winning culture. I didn't know any different. I mean, when I started, we won, we were in finals. I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think I ever did play in like finals um, campaign at my time at Williton. 
So, yeah, the club itself just has this amazing winning culture. It has a steady, um, like a steady people that have always been there. There's Phil Nixon, um, Jenny Clark, got the Blacks, yeah. Narelle. Um, you know, the, the same people are down there. And I know that sometimes people say, oh, God, the same people here for 20 years. But in my eyes, that's what builds a strong foundation. That's what builds successful club. And that's what develops these cultures where when you enter, you know, you don't know any less. So for me, it was Willerton was this amazing club with this winning culture. I developed so many skills, not just on the court, but off the court, you know, leadership roles. There were many different people that offered advice and many different, you know, coaches, some good, some not so good, but that's just part of, yeah. you know, life in general really isn't it and yeah. so yeah you learn so much and Willerton was just um, amazing I mean I have aspirations wanting to coach down there one day and yeah so for me Willerton's just um, yeah it's just been such a um, you know great starting board in terms of you know basketball but also life as well yeah, I mean, you look at someone like Jeff Anderson, he's been there for, for 30 plus years as the stadium manager. You know, Simon Pike has spent his whole whole life at Willerton. There's just people yeah. there that have dedicated and, their whole yeah. life to the to the club. Um, what exactly. about the new stadium? Did you get a little bit emotional when that was, I guess, torn um, down last year and now the, the new building's gone up? It, it's uh, in, with the, in with the new, out with the old and mm. it needed it. Got, you know, so when I sort of was hearing that, you know, teams were having to train at Canning Vale and yeah. the high school and, you know, it was time. You know, emotional in terms of like that court one feeling, absolutely. It was like you walked on, you, you like, you know, for me as a player, it was you walked in the door at a home game and you knew you were going to win. You know, you just had this air of confidence about playing on that court. So, you know, a little bit emotional, but in saying that, um, it's just needed to be done. Like we have so many juniors, we have so much potential to develop, you know, great players, not only SBL players, but then on to hopefully play for WA or whether it's they go off to the Institute or they go to a college basketball. You know, we have that sort of, uh, you know, talent within our catchment. And I think it's important that, you know, the stadium did what they did. And Phil Nixon, I know, worked so hard to get that across the line with the government. So, yeah, cheers to him for for making that happen for all the future generations. I thought it was a natural that pretty soon after you stopped playing, you would move into a coaching role. You kind of did that in your last season and then the the season after as well before, before I guess, the the kids took over over your life and and life went in a different direction. Um, You've clearly got got coaching in your blood and it, you yeah. could do it if you wanted to do it. It's just a matter of if you, yeah, if you yeah, want to do it now. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm, I'm keen to get back into it. I sort of, I haven't messaged Simon Parker yet, but mm-hmm. I thought, um, you know, uh, when I coached at Willerton, it was hard because I was, I had a very, um, a very good job. So it meant that I was traveling a lot and yeah. that was sort of my last year in basketball meant that I was traveling away. So I wasn't always at training and then I went to that distant coach role before I had Maddie. I was pregnant with Maddie and, yeah, it was just hard because, um, you know, I was sort of just transitioning, but I was also pregnant and working. So I think now my kids are, um, Archie's one and a half. So um, obviously I've got, yeah, a great support network. And yeah, I'm definitely keen to get involved in coaching and, you know, give back to what the game taught me. Because as we all know, like in, in an environment like what we are with our SBL, you know, in WA with such great club, we have just got, you know, so much, I've got so much to be able to share with people, you know, knowledge of the game. But in saying that, I also, you know, you have to bear in mind that, you know, I need to do my apprentice and that, you know, not not all players become good coaches. Um, You know, we've seen that a lot in the AFL and I'm keen just to, you know, have an assistant um, 
an assistant coach role to begin with where I'm, you know, learning and, you know, developing my coaching. I remember that first year actually that I was an assistant coach mm. and Simon would turn around on so many occasions and he's like, what are they doing in defense? And I'm literally like, I have no idea. <laughs> the, the one thing that Murray Tresetta told me about coaching was the great coaches and great assistant coaches will be able to read the game, not watch it. Mm-hmm. And so for the first half season, I'm just watching the game and I'm like, oh, she's tired and, mm. you know, Yep, no, mm. she's missed three shots in a row and yeah, she's got beaten defense and he's like Simon Simon being like, Well, I know that Mel, I have a coach. <laughs> I, I realise then that I just have so much to learn about coaching and you know, I know I know my strength as a coach, but I also know the areas that I really need to develop or I can you know, have a um, coaching job. Mel, what type of sporting mum will you be to your kids? Do you think you're the crazy one on the sidelines yelling or the one just sitting uh, quietly so. watching? Like, I reckon like, my dad had it like, pretty good with us. Like he, you know, he sort of yelled a bit here and there and he always waited until you know we seek advice. So I think, yeah, at the moment, Mal, Maddie's into dancing and gymnastics and we set up a swing set today. It's been got the monkey bars on the swing set and she does whips off that. And, <laughs> no. yeah, so <laughs> I'm trying to get her in basketball. But, yeah, look, there's no pressure, I think no, you know, these no. days it's just kids do whatever they want really yeah, and, what they enjoy yeah, but I mean I am vocal there's no doubt about it I do like talk and I am loud and gentle yeah there'll probably be a few words of encouragement I like things from the <laughs> sideline <laughs> The sporting landscape has changed a lot since when, I guess, if you go back to 2000 when you were starting your basketball career, I guess there was no real pathway for a, for a girl to, to go and play footy to really make a professional career out of out of cricket. So I guess at that point, you were choosing between basketball and netball if you were a young girl. Um, if you were growing up today, do you reckon you would still choose basketball or would you follow the family well, path with cricket? Would you play get, footy? What do you reckon I'll you would get, choose? Yeah, look, I get asked this question a fair bit actually, like, Sean was playing basketball at the time, which is why I then played it. And, mm. you know, obviously I had a passion for it. I don't know if I could ever play cricket because it's just such a different tempo to yep. basketball. But in saying that nowadays, like there's there's a lot of money and incentive for girls to play football yeah. and cricket. And, you mm. know, I think as we, you know, just make people become aware of you know what women can do um it you know creating a lot of different pathways so look if maddie if maddie was to say to me or archie you know i want to play cricket or i want to play football or i want to dance you know at the end of the day like you do just want your kids to be happy so if maddie wants to play football of course i'm going to encourage mm-hmm. her to play it and you know if she wants to play cricket and she's good at it then yeah like i think it's important that we just encourage whatever path our kids want to do because at the end of the day as we know board only lasts for you know such a short time in in one's life so if it means for 10 years they're playing you know thought that they love so be it but I guess it's also exciting that we have so many different pathways for women these days but like you said in my in my days it was just basketball and netball and funny though I'm actually playing a lot of social netball now and not basketball so yeah it's it's interesting how and I really enjoy it I get frustrated at times and (laughs) I always get called for three feet and contact and all sorts of things but yeah it's funny how after all these years of playing I'm playing more more netball now than I ever have do you, do you get told to not shoot like a basketballer I played some social netball and I kept getting told off and, and said stop shooting like you're shooting a basketball I think the first thing I get is oh you've played basketball and I'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> just a little bit over my time but yeah. Yeah, there's um yeah, it's I I started off in defence, mm-hmm. which as we know in basketball wasn't my strong point <laughs> and I don't really like playing defence. <laughs> 
So, and then I went to shooter. So, yeah, good. Like, I, I enjoy GA is my preferred position. Yep. But, um, yeah, it just depends on, obviously, straight after kids, I needed to go back into GS where I didn't have to run so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. how's, the, how's the body holding up, Mel? Yeah, good. Like, I mean, kids certainly, it's just amazing what women do when we have kids. And yeah, it's certainly, I guess, from all the wear and tear playing basketball. I think like when I finished my career, you know, people say to me, like, I remember dad saying, oh, you know, you don't have a long time retired and, you know, you're sure this is what you want. But for me, like, I'd been... You know, I remember playing at Williton. I was a bottom A touring team. So I was like, I think uh, 11 or 12. It was with Shane Hample and Megan Lynn at the time, um, you know, traveling away as a bottom A just for under 14s. And so it's been a long, it was a long time from such a young age. But, um, and obviously, like having two kids, you know, your body's um, impacted. But, you know, all in all, like I'm, I'm healthy and that's the main thing. And yeah, I, I get out of bed with not too many creeps in the morning. And I always think, you know, you think of players like Sue Williams who played you know, till, I mean, how many games and what age. And got Casey, like Casey Milo still like, yep. and I sort of think when I have moments of like, oh, my body's sore. And I think, geez, just think of those incredible women still playing <laughs> and they've had you though. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I wanted to get your thoughts on the Perth Lynx. Obviously, during your entire career, they were owned by Basketball WA. And, and to be honest, they didn't get the support they needed to be competitive and that's probably why you never played a played a finals game obviously the wildcats took over and they they haven't missed the finals in the time the wildcats were owning them now they've gone back to basketball wa what do you think needs to happen to make sure that they remain competitive and how hopeful are you that this time around basketball wa will will get it right yeah i think i mean obviously when the wildcats took over I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just looking in from an outsider's, outsider's point of view, but there surely had been injection of, of money because sure. we were able to, you know, get some incredible players. I don't know how many WA players were involved in that, but, you know, and I guess it's what every state does. They have an injection of, a, you know, an American. We obviously had Sammy Whitcomb and, you know, some incredible players that were, you know, we were able to secure. So, yeah, and then, I mean, I look at when I played, like, you know, we struggled to get, you know, belly like anyone because of the financial side of things and you know often like what I got paid I mean I was grateful to get paid don't get me mm-hmm. wrong you know it wasn't a lot of money but I also knew um, I guess um, what I was capable of you know doing and not doing so you know I knew I was never going to be someone that earned you know eighty thousand dollars I just didn't have that talent but in saying, you know, I guess with the, the Wildcats taking over, they obviously, like I said, had to be an injection of, of money, which meant we secured good players. We were then able to ensure that these players were in an environment where they were full-time athletes, which is something that we never got. You know, we had to work. We had, you know, job within basketball. And it just goes to show, you know, what you know what it does when you have a full-time basketball player and then, you know, you're able to, um, you know, get, the likes of the Sammy Whitcombs and, you know, the Americans that we had and, you know, just some really good players. I'm hoping Ryan Petrick is an amazing coach. absolutely love what he does, you know, love the way he coaches. And I'd like to think that, you know, basketball WA are, you know, financially able to really support um, in their recruitment um, and, you know, hopefully, yeah, they played final series, they got to some grand finals. So you'd like to think that they can go, you know, one step and win it at some point. But, yeah, obviously with COVID and everything that's happened now, you know, could potentially change what happens ahead but yeah you just like to think that that financial support is still there so that we're able to you know support our players not necessarily overseas players but just support the players that we have in in being able to be full-time athlete and you know train sleep you know focus not having to have jobs and running off here and there you know worried about 
you know, money and, you know, paying rent and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hopeful that Basketball WA are able to, you know, continue on in, um, in some capacity like that. You mentioned Ryan Petrick. You don't hold a grudge against him for ruining your, your last game? Nah, I, I think I checked out halfway through that game when Sam hit about five threes on my head and thought, this is it, I'm done. Like, And you know what, Like, yeah, we often laugh about that with Kate Malpass and it was mm. just like, my goodness me. Like, can I, And I remember getting to one time out being like, how do we actually get rid of this player? <laughs> the only way was to like knock her out or do something horrible. I couldn't do that. So we just let her keep shooting yeah. threes. But I, wanted no, ask you about that. I wanted to ask you about that. How awkward was that for, for Kate and Sammy to play? I know. I don't think Kate. I think Kate just didn't didn't want to guard her and didn't want to want to be part of it just because obviously they'd become a couple by then. How yeah, awkward was it leading reckon, leading like up to that grand final? At that stage, I don't know how many people knew, and, I'm, and yeah. I certainly know that there was something going on. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, if only you'd have told me that something was going on, I mm. wouldn't have bloody let you. Like, I would have like put someone else on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, yeah, it was fine. We look. They're the types of things now that you've played and you just, you know, remove yourself from basketball and you have kids and there's just so much more to life. You just look back and laugh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and you just think, wow, they're just like memories that we're like lucky that we have forever. How happy are you that you did have that one year in Adelaide? Not only because you got to, I guess, have a taste of finals, but just to experience life outside of WA and to experience something different. How much? Yeah, how, much how glad are you that you, you did that? I think that contributed to how long I came back and played for with mm-hmm. WA because I went away and just got a taste of how successful other clubs, like how you know, a successful club is and, you know, what it really takes to, you know, be an athlete. Um, and just I thrived, although, like, I didn't play a lot of minutes over there. Like, I thrived physically because we were just, you know, I was a full-time um, athlete in Adelaide. I mean, I didn't get hardly any money. I think I got paid 2500 for a season. But um, I was, you know, I was... I don't, I, in fact, I don't even know if I was working. If I was, it might have been one day a week. But mm-hmm. I was with um, Chris. Chris Lucas or someone? Yeah, Chris Lucas. Yeah. And he just created this environment where no matter what the circumstances were, he was available for you as a player. So I did a lot of shooting in the morning before work. You know, you were in the gym. I was provided, you know, dietitian. I had extra gym sessions at the start to get myself fit. Like it was just such an incredible, like it was a really great environment for, you know, for some for an athlete to succeed. And I certainly did. And, you know, I played with Jenny Screen, Laura Summerton, Deanne Ranford. We just had some really, like, quality players that I was able to, you know, learn a lot from. So, yeah, that year for me, just not only basketball-wise, but personally, being even though I live with, like, some of my mum and dad's friends over there, I lived with them. But, you know, I just grew a lot as a person. Um, at that stage, I was in a long-term relationship and I came out of one and I sort of just, you know, really developed as a person and, and learned so much from some really quality basketball players. Um, I remember my first training session with Jenny Screen. I think she just about ditched the ball on my head, just saying, like, <laughs> who the F are you type thing. So, yeah, I had a bit of a battle getting getting to, like, <laughs> for her to like me. But, yeah, <laughs> it was hard. She's a hard. She was one of the hardest player people that I ever was involved in basketball yeah mel i was lucky myself being a south australian uh, person i had uh, chris as my coach for a couple of years at central districts as well so i know what you're talking about i was just going to say correct me if i'm wrong is that the year that they changed their name to the adelaide fellas it was yeah wow. it certainly was 
Yeah, that what was that was strange, wasn't it? The, it the, was a, it was strange, but it was like you know, at the end of the day, it was money, and it, it came down yeah. to the fact that you know, and they still are having problems every year, like trying to get owners, and it keeps going back to Basketball South Australia, and then it gets bought out and it goes back, and it, you know, at one stage, um, Angela Marino's dad bought them, and then that went, you know, so at the time it was like everyone. I mean, we surely were. I mean, we know we were the laughing stock of the league in terms of our name, but it was also like, well, we would rather play on yeah. the Adelaide fellas they not playing. That was the reality of the situation. But yeah, it was yeah, interesting. So the, sponsor, the sponsor was Fellas Gifts. <laughs> just for yeah, that's it, Fellas Gifts. Yeah. Yeah, and you walk in there and it's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it was, it was money and it was sponsorship money that we needed to survive Absolutely. and to be able to play. So in our eyes, we were so grateful that we had just, you know, a brand a and mm. a sponsor that wanted to help us play. The number 14, what what led you to wearing that in the first place and what goes through your mind when you're now walking to a Perth Lynx game and see that hanging from, from the, the middle yeah, of, the, pretty, of the roof? Pretty surreal. Um, I remember when I went with Mel, like McClure, and obviously she takes her kids every week. She's just such an – I just love Mel. She's such an amazing person. She was the hardest, one of the hardest people I played with as well. But, yeah, she – like I remember once we were just sitting there looking up being like, wow, like can you believe – like oh, I just would have never have dreamed it because when I started I was with like some, you know, Tally Bevelacquas, the Mel McClure's, Kim Morecams. There was just so many great players and I just – Never, ever, like not at any point in my career did I think, geez, I want my shirt up there. It was always just, you know, I love playing the game and I loved what the game did for me, you know, on and off the court. And I just had that real passion, like, you know, for most of my career that, I mean, I certainly had my moment, but, um, you know, my passion was there. So for when I walk in now, I guess like having kids, it's like, oh, I just can't wait till, you know, Maddie's old enough and I can take Maddie and be like, oh, that's me. And I don't really ever know when 14 came from, to be mm. honest. So yeah, I started off playing as number eight, but like anything, when you go into a team and, you know, you're not the main player, you just take what you get given. So I think initially it was Jenny Bedford had number eight, someone else, I think I wore number 12 to start with maybe. And yeah, I just ended up with 14, and then that was it. But from memory, you didn't wear 14 at Willerton, did you? No, no, I uh, I think I always wore number five. Yeah, I, think so. I did yeah. as a junior. I always, um, the number I started with as a kid was number eight. Mm hmm. Mm. And then, yeah, I went to number five when I was touring with Craig Friday on the 14th. Mm. And then, yeah, not sure after that. I think Sue Williams always wore number 12, so the number 12 went outdoor. Mm. Now, you've spent so. some time. In recent years, up in Broome, you're back. You're back home now. How much time are you spending back at at Mum's Bakery? <laughs> yeah, I try not to go down there too much because <laughs> we all know. <laughs> we, yeah, no, that's, that's not good for me and my figure. So yeah, <laughs> I do a lot of Mum's social media work for her. But yep. yeah, that's about all. Try and try and stay away at a distance. <laughs> It's been a great thing she's been been able to build. Yeah, fifteen years she's had the bakery. She's she's ready though now for to sell it and okay. um, you know just sort of simplify her life as well. She's obviously. You know, had her own business. She's a wonderful mum and wife and an amazing nana to all the kids. So, yeah, I think now it's time that she, you know, sells it and, yeah, just starts to, you know, live live more of her life. Well, I guess you don't know any different. So it's a difficult question to answer and I'm sure you get asked it all the time. But what's it like being part of one of the state's great sporting families when you have a look at, at what you've done as a basketball player, what your dad did as a cricket player and now as a coach since and what your brothers have done as cricketers. What's it like yeah, look, being part of that family? I think I'm just proud really. Like mm. we don't really know any different and we are, you know, like we've all had our highs and lows and ups and downs and, you know, as, as sports people, as families. But I think more than ever, 
the five of us are so close. It's just been, you know, the last, I think because obviously I'm not playing, Sean nearing on the end of his career. Hopefully he's got a, another couple of oh. years left in him. And I think Mitchell, you know, just the way his career is shaping is that, you know, we just have such more of an appreciation for each other and whether that's just as you get older as well but yeah like we're just just grateful you know during the the COVID like many families when we're able to see each other you know we just sat out the front of mum and dad's house with a little you know pit fire just sat around just having a couple of red wines and you know really like went back to that like really strong family and Mm -hmm. um, yeah so in terms of I mean their careers and dad's career just like immensely proud of what we've been able to achieve and yeah there's lots of other you know sporting families I think of the Kerrs and yeah I mean there's so many that you know are playing football and um yeah so obviously grateful but yeah there's lots of great families out there doing wonderful things. What's motherhood like is it everything that you hoped it would be? Yeah oh look it's unreal I mean I I just love it it's like I think that's why I'm able to look back on basketball and really think, wow, like what I did in basketball was amazing, but it just nothing compares to, you know, being able to be a mum. And yeah, there's like so many, I'm just grateful that, you know, I was able, you know, to have kids and yeah, I've got a little boy and a little girl and they're just amazing and yeah, just giving me sort of a new like lease on the next chapter of life and yeah they're uh they're great kids they buttons at times maddie's uh as full-on as they get talks just as much as me and asks just <laughs> as many questions as me and she's as loud as me so yeah and then little archie's a little bit more reserved and yeah so no it's it really is just the most amazing thing being a mum i guess for a lot of us COVID 19 has given us that little bit of time to maybe reflect on where we're at in our lives and think about where the next stage is and you just mentioned it there has it has it given you the chance to maybe think about career-wise where you might like to head from here and and in terms of basketball has it given you that you touched on it before has it given you that that hunger to get back in involved as a as a coach potentially yeah, definitely. I think like when you when you have kids, like it just sort of you um or for me personally, like my I, I guess drive for my career changed and I'm just the last couple of years I've just been in a in a mum bubble really and, and loving it. And so I think now the kids are getting a bit like obviously Maddie's nearly four, they'd come a bit more independent and you know, I, I know how important basketball was to me because of the environment that you're created in terms of um, you know the people you meet the people you meet what you get taught playing in team sport you know all those sorts of things so yeah I definitely you know during COVID I was able to think right this is you know I want to coach hopefully I can you know pick up an assistant role next year I mean obviously like I'd love Williton but you know if there's no position for me there then you know obviously yeah you start to you know think about other clubs and yeah like just want to get involved um you know, in some level anyway. Maybe it's whether I start off with some junior teams and, mm-hmm. you know, learn my way, you know, around the club that way. Like, I'm really happy just to do anything as long as you're coaching and, yeah, you're learning. And, yeah, but I spent a lot of time with the kids during COVID and, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, how did you go? But personally, like, I just loved it, you know, being around my family and, mm. yeah, having the kids all the time. So it was great. Now, we better wrap it up and let you go. How, yes. on, earth were you, <laughs> how on earth were you able to give us this much time without the kids inter- interrupting? I know, yeah. Swampy, Swampy's here with me, so all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, f- fantastic, Mel. It was a, a pleasure. Actually, one one very quick one. I've always wanted to ask you this. Where did the yep. nickname Min come from? Oh, it's funny. I get, I've been asked if, uh, like a bit about that lately. So when we lit, we grew up on the farm in Wandering, and my nan Joan and Ted had a dog called Min, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, like apparently the dog died when I was born, and my nan and pop loved dogs so much, so I just started getting a nickname called Min. Wow. And then when I went to 
Well, yeah, funny, not really fun life. There's nothing like really to it. But mm. then I went went to Willerton Primary School and my best friend was a Melanie. And so right from the word go, when we were in primary school, she was Belle when I was Ben. And it just stuck all the way through high school. And that's been it really. The only, uh, Sean is the only one to call me Mel. And I don't know why. I've never really asked him. But yeah, everyone calls me Min. Yep. I get Auntie Min from Austin. Austin's like, hi, Auntie Min. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Super cute. Um, well, fascinating. I didn't, I didn't know that, so I'm glad I asked. Yeah, um, I did. Don't, that probably wasn't what you wanted. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it's it's been been fantastic to reflect on your time in in basketball and, yeah. and everything else. I've I've spoken to you a lot, about a lot of things over over the years, but never actually sat down and had a chat like this. So it's been been great yeah, to actually get your thoughts on a whole lot of things and. and- Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll chat again as I get more absolutely. involved. Yeah, absolutely. And please. See you guys. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Okay, back here on SBR Shoot Around, and that was a terrific chat with Mel Marsh. Thanks very much for her giving the kids over to Swampy for long enough to have a chat to us, Randy, and I hope you all enjoyed that because she's got a great story to share. She's a great talker, and we're, I'm sure we're going to see her coaching in the both in the SBL and I think at least as an assistant coach in the WNBL before too long. Yeah, I would think so, yeah. She seems keen to be doing that, and she speaks so well and comes across so well. Absolutely. So thanks, Mel, for, for that. Now, the West Coast Classic, Randy, we're getting ever so close now. We're, we're, what, three weeks away from it starting. It starts Friday, July the 24th, and that Friday night, we've got a full round of fixtures. So we've got the Joondalup Bulls playing the Perth Redbacks at HBF Arena, the, the grand opening of Willerton Basketball Stadium, so Willerton hosting the Lakeside Lightning. We've got the East Perth Eagles playing the Kalamunda Calum- Eastern Suns at Mirabooka. Southwest Slammers at home to the Mandurah Magic at Eaton. So on a Friday night, that's interesting for the players playing for Mandurah to, to get down there. They're on time. And then the Perry Lakes Hawks playing the, the Warwick Senators at Bendat Basketball Centre. Three more games on the Saturday. The Mandurah Magic hosting the Perth Redbacks. Rockingham Flames against the Coburn Cougars. Four more games, sorry. Calamander Eastern Suns and the Willerton Tigers and the Warwick Senators, which leads us into what we're about to speak about. The Warwick Senators playing the Goldfields Giants at Warwick Stadium. And that's right, we're not on the men's SPL shoot-around, we're on women's SPL shoot-around and that's a women's fixture to, to talk about. Yeah, well, I got a couple of messages this week, was told that, that this was going to happen and I'm not sure whether it, it is still 100% true because I got a message back later saying that it's not going on, but <laughs> they're in the fixtures. Yep. That, um, when yeah. did the fixtures come out? Today. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, well, we're recording this on Thursday. It'll be... F- be yeah. great if they are. I mean, yeah. it's nice little, you know, seven or eight week tournament tournament for them to test the water, and you know, those girls get great experience over that time. Well, how exciting is it if you're someone playing in Kalgoorlie right now as a female? You you have a ceiling of playing locally, and that's really your limit. And I guess the country championships are your high point. How excited would you be to get yeah, this opportunity? That, that, that'd be excited. I mean, they've been playing D-League um, for two years yep. and um, this is the next stepping stone. Yep. So they'll get a taste of that and they can probably go back and have a, a look at it and say, you know, is it, is it worth it or is it feasible to, yep. to do this? What do you think? Could it work long term? I don't really know. I think financially it would test them out. I think as far as talent goes, they would they would be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they could sustain it or not, I'm not too sure. You yep. know, we've had the, the Buccaneers women yep. go through that and they didn't survive so times have changed and yeah. um you know one thing about that city is they get behind their team so what, what do you see the difference between Kalgoorlie and Geraldton in terms of being a, being able to have 
a women's team and being able to make it a success. Is one city more capable of doing it than another, do you think? I'm not too sure. I think perhaps the working options in Kalgoorlie, there may be a little bit more employment up there. Yeah. I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but you know that could be something that the girls could, could look at and think, okay, well, I'm not getting th- anything happening down here. In terms of your coaching future, is there, if there was a team in Kalgoorlie, would they be able to try to lure you out of this hiatus from coaching to try to get get you to coach a team? Given your, well, you're the captain of the 20 year anniversary team already at the Giants, would they be able to get you to come back? Yeah, they would. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I'd definitely uh, make, the, make the phone call. Someone that had the Giants. Uh, I think Creaky's up there doing a good job. There's, you know, oh, you, you but, can be his, his the coach of his women's team. Yeah, no, it does interest me. Um, but obviously, you know, if I've got employment and family down here, I've got a lot of commitments and stuff like that. But you know, if there was one team that I'd like to coach, I'd always like to go back there and you know give something back as far as 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 doing something like that. It'd be exciting. Well, there we go. It's the first time you've expressed a desire to coach again, Randy, on this show. So hopefully being back involved in some sense talking about basketball is stoking that that fire for you. Um, oh, I sort of have said that I wouldn't mind doing kids, but, yeah. you know, that's uh, something. But, but Kalgoorlie must be dear to your heart. And mu- you must have had such a great 10 years there that for, for you to have such fond feelings, it must be still a big piece of your heart. Yeah, I just love the people up there. And um, I know that they'd be right behind it. They wouldn't be going in half-hearted. Yep. Um, and they wouldn't be going in just to make the numbers, you sure. know. So I know that uh, uh, they'd be able to put a competitive side on the on the court. Now, now that we're three weeks away and teams have been able to spend a few weeks now back on the court training, I know for the first couple of weeks it was pretty light on, but now they're pretty much into full scrimmaging. As a coach, how close to being fully prepared for a season would you be now? And what sort of things would you be be mindful of? Yeah, it'd be difficult. You know, well, they'd probably announce it what three, four weeks ago. Yeah. So they're pre pre season, or would be a six six week sort of pre season to get ready. And you heard them talk about the AFL with 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 the, with the injuries and stuff. You just hope the girls are doing the right training and doing doing everything correctly because once they hit the ground up and running, they're going to be going at full speed. You just want want to hope that they've done everything properly. Then we don't. The last thing we want to see is any sort of injuries yeah. in the first few rounds so that would be a concern for me as a coach that is what sort of support or medical or strength and conditioning stuff do you have do you have do you have pretty good support on and off um we sort of did one season then other season we we didn't but i always got help from from professional people as far as the strength and conditioning goes they always helped me every year and then once we uh, got into the basketball side i think and then i changed stuff up yeah yep I guess in Mandra you had someone like Rachel who could pretty much take care of herself as well. So some of the, I guess some of your players are better equipped than others to take care of themselves. And I guess some of the, some of your players need you to probably keep a, a bit bit more of a close eye eye on them. Yeah, we did have a, um, a sponsor down there called Four Life Physio who you know helped us out immensely and you know would always find time for the girls and um, help them out. So they were right on top of it, training um, stuff like that. Very good. Okay, so yeah, the, the countdown now to July twenty four is is on in earnest. So it won't be won't be long at all until we'll be able to go out and check out some some games, Randy. So that'll that'll be exciting, and we'll we'll have to change up our our format here a little bit. All of a sudden, we'll have games to preview, we'll have games to wrap up, and and all sorts of things. So that's that's all to look forward to moving forward. But right now, this was another another fun show. Even if we didn't have basketball action to talk about, I still think this has been well and truly worth doing, Randy. So I'm really glad that you enjoyed to share this journey with me. Hopefully, you're you're enjoying it. Mel Marsh was a tremendous guest as well for this week. Hopefully, you all enjoyed enjoyed that. Thanks to Bassett Scarf Realty for making it possible. I'll sign off for another week. I'm Chris Pike. Randy Meagle, can you leave us with? 
Yeah, I'm just uh, really excited about the last couple of interviews we've had with, you know, with Craig and Mel. I just, they both speak so well, you know. And one thing that stands out with Mel that uh, is the fact that she's played through, you know, her career through her late 20s and early 30s and, you know, got everything out of her body and what she wanted out of basketball. And I think that's one thing that I've sort of noticed in the SBL is those girls in their later 20s that just aren't there. We seem to have a lot of juniors and girls that, you know, in their early 20s and then there's not a great deal of girls that get it through to 30 anymore you know we've got our exceptions obviously which we speak about you know regularly but just seems to be a gap there quite often and you know in the men's comp they continue on but for whatever reason the girls seem to drop out a little bit um so it'd be good if we could have more girls reaching you know the 300 games and 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 just making that competition stronger so that's all for me this week and uh yeah look forward to next week and hopefully we can find another good interview to to carry this on